0: Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. This is Auto Line Daily for November 29, 2010, and now, the news. Well, it's official, GM's IPO was the largest one in history. Underwriters sold an additional 71.7 million common shares and 13 million preferred shares, GM reports. Add that to the shares that were sold earlier, and the total came to $23.1 billion. Interestingly, while the common stock went for about $33 a share, the preferred stock went for $50. About 90% of all the shares were bought by investors in the U.S., and about one-fifth of them were individuals, not institutions. The Detroit News reports that the government's ownership in GM is now down to 33%. Now let's head to Europe. Fiat's CEO Sergio Marchionne is trying to get unions in Italy to agree to boost productivity. If they do, he promises to invest over $26 billion in factories in Italy. Specifically, Marchionne wants to form a joint venture with Chrysler to build SUVs at the company's Mirafiori plant that will wear the Jeep and Alfa Romeo brands. He wants to make 280,000 vehicles a year at the plant and export a lot of them to North America. Here's my auto line insight. Fiat's got to deal with four different unions in Italy on a national level. Some of their plants can have a half a dozen different unions in them on a local level. You think the UAW is a problem? They're pussycats compared to Italy's unions. So Sergio wants a joint venture with Chrysler to force them to match Chrysler's level of productivity, which is pretty good right now. He's going to use Chrysler's plants as benchmarks that's going to force the Italian plants to match. Now let's head to India, where Mahindra is in a dispute with its U.S. distributor about shipping its vehicles to nearly 350 dealers in America. According to Wards, Mahindra claims its contract with global vehicles to be its sole distributor in the U.S. expired. The trucks were supposed to arrive nearly two years ago, but shipments were delayed because they needed to pass emission tests. But Global Vehicles contends Mahindra, which had to pass the test by a specific date, deliberately delayed certification to end the contract. 10 days after the contract expired, Mahindra applied for and received its certification. Global Vehicles contends Mahindra did this in order to sell vehicles on its own, and has filed a lawsuit to determine if Mahindra violated the contract. Also at stake, $35 million global vehicles paid to be the exclusive dealer of Mahindra pickups. Now to China, where the new car market continues to grow and shows no signs of slowing down. That's why Ford opened 100 new dealerships in the country this year, the AP reports. That raises its number of dealers in the country to 340. Through October, Ford sales are up 40% to nearly 470,000 vehicles. But Ford has a long way to go to catch Hyundai in China. According to Bloomberg, Hyundai increased its sales forecast this year to nearly 700,000 units. That's up from 670,000. It's also putting the capacity in place for another 400,000 units. And speaking of car sales in China, Bloomberg reports they're expected to go up another 20% next year. Okay, back to the states. Last week, the EPA announced the fuel economy numbers for the Nissan LEAF EV, which, if you remember, stickers at 106 in the city, 92 on the highway. Well, now it's Chevy's turn. The Volt will deliver an equivalent of 93 miles per gallon in pure electric mode with a range of 35 miles. The EPA calculates that number at 36 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. After that, it estimates that the gasoline engine will deliver 37 miles per gallon. In small print towards the bottom of the sticker, the Volt's efficiency is compared to other cars in the compact class. Its combined composite score, whatever that means, is 60 miles per gallon equivalent. It must be some sort of average between the pure electric and range extended modes since evs like the volt are so different from regular cars gm worked with the epa to design this window sticker every year there's a design challenge at the la auto show car makers are invited to deliver a concept that best matches a set of predetermined parameters cadillac and smart won this year's competition but nissan's unusual looking entry is worth mentioning called the iv It's the company's take on a fun-to-drive, environmentally-friendly, 1,000-pound vehicle. It's wild-looking for sure, but some of the would-be materials it's made of are even crazier. They include a type of fast-growing ivy and spider silk. According to Autoblog, it features something called a bio-battery. Plus, it uses a supercapacitor to store regenerative energy. You know, a lot of times designers will put a car in their studio to inspire them, With the Ivy, sure looks like Nissan had a Plymouth Prowler in there. Coming up next, let's take a look at the new Chrysler 200. We'll be back in just a moment. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. I recently got the chance to drive all the new vehicles that Chrysler and Dodge are about to come out with. Here's my quick look at the car that replaces the Chrysler Sebring. As you know, they now call it the Chrysler 200. Here's my instant impression of the 2011 Chrysler 200. You never heard of the 200 before? That's because this actually started out as a Sebring, but they made a tremendous amount of changes to it. Just check out. The grill that they've got here. A lot of character into it, a lot of movement visually, kind of a waterfall look. In a way, it kind of reminds me of the grill that's on the Hyundai Sonata, but not quite. Also, check out the headlamps. They've made it a whole lot smoother. In fact, I would argue that it even looks more upscale. When you come to the side of the car, you'll notice a lot of the same styling cues as on the Sebring, especially the C-pillar and the way that it comes into the rear quarter. Why did they not change this? Because that takes big bucks to be able to change the tooling on something like that. But when you come to the rear end, I love how they've changed the styling of it. Tail lamps are different. They've got this chrome strip, the Chrysler badge gives it a very nice light and airy look. Also notice how they've added just the hint of bright work down into the bumper. Come on inside though, because the interior is dramatically different. I love what they've done with the instrument panel on this car. Everything's sort of horizontal. gives it a much wider look. They've also flattened out the dash, put in nice materials. No more hard plastic on this thing. And the dynamics, the driving dynamics of this car are completely different. The steering feels really hefty. In fact, the car feels heavier, even though it's not, just because they've made so many improvements to the suspension. And they were smart to change the name because the Sebring name, is not good in the marketplace now and there are enough changes to justify calling this the chrysler 200. amazingly chrysler will be replacing the 200 and its equivalent at dodge the avenger in just a little over two years time the new ones will be built off a platform provided by fiat hey don't forget to tune in tonight for open line the biggest party line in the world where you can sit back and listen or join in the conversation yourself. Call in at 218-936-6581. The pin, 3051. Join host Michelle Naranjo tonight starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Open Line. And that's today's report on the top news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.